Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. Today we're going to get back into 1 Timothy. And we've been in Timothy for uh, some time now as we've been going verse by verse through the book here. And so we're jumping back into 1 Timothy chapter 3 where we're going to be learning and and diving into uh, some of the qualifications and duties of a deacon. Uh, This passage really to me as I've been studying it and as I did a couple weeks ago when we looked at the qualifications and duties of of an elder, I believe very similar as I stated then that the desire of each one of our hearts ought to be and should be that of all of those qualifications. Each and every one of us in here, though we may not aspire to be an elder, though you may not aspire to be a deacon, maybe that's not a part of who you are, but as a believer in Christ, our drive should be that we would meet all of those different character qualifications, scriptural, spiritual qualifications as well. And as we jump in today... I would say most everybody in this room, if you've been in church for any period of time, you have some kind of an idea of what you have grown up with or maybe what you've been involved in church with as to what a deacon is. Everybody that has gone to different churches, different positions, they have deacons as different things. But some of you may sit in here this morning and your background is more the deacon was a a person or a position of great authority. Maybe to some, they were the, uh, the quote-unquote kind of official leaders of the church. In all cases, they should be spiritual leaders. Maybe in your church, maybe where your background is, they were the, the ruling body. In some cases, even the pastors were quote-unquote employed by the deacons. Regardless of, of where you're at and what you, uh, where you come from, Each of us typically has a different uh, idea or thought maybe of what a deacon is. I've talked to people over the last few weeks and as we've kind of addressed some of these things in the last couple months within our own church and I've heard from men, well, I'm not old enough to be a deacon. When I was a kid, I always looked at the deacons. They were the, they were the older people in the church or they were, they were different. We all have a different thought of what a deacon is based on our upbringing. But as we look at it today, my, my intention, my heart behind this morning is, is though there's some that look at it and they, they would see a deacon as maybe I aspire to be that because of the position, because of the title that may come with it. Because for some, there was power that was with it. Maybe for others, it was, it was something else. But, but there's an aspiration. They seek that, the position, the badge, so to speak, the honor, the respect that comes with being a deacon. And regardless of where we come from, regardless of what your thought is, this morning I'm going to do my best to take God's Word and what God's Word says a deacon is, and we're going to look at it in the context of God's Word, not in the context of what maybe we have grown up with in our churches and what deacons were in your church or in our churches growing up. And on the, at the same time, I want us to, to keep this in mind and to remember this. A deacon... And the qualifications of a deacon are basically no different than the qualifications of an elder. I think sometimes we look at, we have the elders and and we have the the pastor and the elders and the the leaders. And then we have the deacons. They're just kind of the guys over here that are, 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 they're just kind of, 
hey, the qualifications are pretty much identical. The difference of the qualifications, according to God's word here, what we're looking at, one is in 1 Timothy chapter 3, it says that one is apt to teach. The elder is to be able to teach. The only other difference really would be in verse number 1 of chapter number 3, it says that there's a desire to be that elder. That inner calling, that call of God to, to be a, an elder. And so we look at, there's, there's a couple things there, but those are all the same. The elder and the deacon qualifying wise, the character wise are the same. And as we get into this this morning, I want us to think, I want us to, to just kind of look at our own lives, but I want to think of a couple things. One, it's absolutely amazing to me the people that God chooses to use in ministry. It's mind-boggling to me to think that any one of us in this room, let alone myself, would be called to do anything for the cause of Christ. That God uses everyday normal people to do something for Him. As I was studying, as I was looking at different things, in Nehemiah chapter number 9 and verse number 8, it says... Regarding to Abraham, that in the fondness of his heart, faithful before thee. Now, I just took a context or just a passage of that. But, but that God found him faithful, that he had a faithful heart. If we were to continue to go in through some different New or Old Testament passages, Samuel was looking for a successor for Saul. And what did he say? That God, in, in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16, that God looks on the heart. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. King David was talking to his son Solomon. He says, Solomon, in First Chronicles 28.9, he says, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father. Solomon, here's what you need. You need to know the God of my father. And you need to serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all the hearts. If we were to go a little bit further in 2 Kings 22, uh, King Josiah was able to lead revival. Why? Because of his heart. Because he humbled himself before the Lord. Ezra was able to be used. Why? Because Because he set his heart to study the law of the Lord. A deacon is a position within the church that that God has ordained as far as a, a leadership position in the church. But here's what I want us to take away from this morning. And as I have with each one of these different passages that we've looked at is, yes, this this speaks specifically to those of the deacon position. But it speaks or should speak to the heart of every single one of us that sit in this room, whether you're a deacon, whether you wish to be a deacon, whether you can't be a deacon, whatever that is, our heart should be in tune with God, that our heart should desire to strive with God, that our heart should be that we would seek to know God's word and that our hearts would be that of a deacon, so to speak. The word deacon is is this, it's a servant who is engaged in his work. The word inside of of, of Scripture here, likewise, must be the deacons. We look at that word and it's speaking of service. It's speaking of servant. And all throughout the New Testament, it's, it's used in multiple different ways, but 
we look at the same word or a similar word that would be that we would be a servant, that we would be a bond slave. Well, in this passage, we're not talking specifically of that because it's not that we would be a, a bond slave, but this is talking about our service. It's a service to our work. And as we look at this, the word is, is used in different capacities, but basically it's this. The word servant or serve or serves or service is used in a very general term. We go to a gas station and we get service. You play tennis, or if you play tennis, I've never played tennis, you serve. You serve your employer. We serve our nation. This is a very general term. And that's what we're talking about this morning with the word deacon, with the person, the position of a deacon. This morning, as I've said a couple times now, the intent is that we would look at our own lives We're going to go through the qualifications. We're going to look at what his moral qualifications should be. We're going to look at what his spiritual qualifications should be. We're going to look at kind of the the idea and the intent of what the home should be. And then we're going to look at at kind of the reward. What is it to, to the reward that is from being a service and doing it well? We're going to look at all of those things. But here's here's kind of the heart and the intent behind this, as I've stated is that every single one of us in this room should strive to meet all of those qualifications. Now, it should be obvious in those that are called to do this job or do this duty, whether it's deacon or elder or whatever it is, but it should be the desire of every person in this room that you should strive to meet those scriptural qualifications in life. Because those are just God-like character traits. To be grave and sober and all of these things. So this morning, if you have God's word with you, in 1 Timothy chapter number 3, I have no idea what that is because it's never done that before, but apparently that refrigerator is working. It's not done that in the last two months. How awesome is that? 1 Timothy chapter number 3, we'll start in verse number 8 this morning. And it says this, Likewise must the deacons be grave. Not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. And let these also first be proved. Then let them use the office of a deacon, being found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Father God, we thank you for your word today. And Lord, I pray that, God, that the songs prepared hearts and that, God, as we dive into your word, that you would be lifted up this morning and that your word would speak into our hearts. God, yes, I understand that there's many in this room that may say, well, I'm not going to be a deacon I have no desire to be a deacon. I would say no if they asked me. But God, I pray that our our heart's desire in this room today would be as we listen to these qualities and we listen to the character traits, that our desire would be be that we would be more Christ-like. That we would be more like you. And Father, all of these things would be challenging to us in our own lives. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. I'm going to jump right in this morning 
to the different points. But the first point this morning is just simply the moral qualifications. Uh, Here again, very similar to what it was with the elders. It says, likewise, in dealing with the church and dealing with leadership as we have been uh, in this passage or in this book here. But we're looking at qualifications. We really could pretty much have one title or one uh, title with a bunch of different subheadings because all of these are different qualifications. But let me reiterate again, as I did a couple weeks ago, one of the, I don't know if it's encouraging, but at the same time it's encouraging. One of the greatest things in looking at the qualifications, be it of an elder or being of a deacon, is it's not about the giftedness of the person. It's not about the giftedness of the person as much as it is the quality and the character of the man that is called to do the job. Again, there's a, there's a gift in speaking. There's a gift in teaching with the elders. But at the same time, if God has called you, whether you're talented or whatever that is, God will provide all of those things. It's not so much about that. But as we get into this in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 8, it says this. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And as we get into this passage, it says right off the front that likewise must the deacons be grave. When we look at that word, and we've already kind of looked at this just a couple weeks ago, and I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it, but how important it is that the man in leadership and the, the man that would take this position, the man that, that we would call would be grave, that his mind would be solid, that his, he would think of the seriousness, he would think of the respect, he would think of the honor, he would rethink of all of these different things. And I use Philippians 4 because the first thing that comes with that is that our mind would be thinking on those things that are pure and those things that are just and those things that are righteous and those things that are holy and thinking on the things of God. Yes, when we look at that word, it talks of being serious and and we can kind of joke about that, well, you're not allowed to have fun or we're not allowed to this. No, but I'll say this. The work of God should be serious in all of our lives. The work of God is not just something that takes place on Sunday for our church right now. It's 1030 to about 12. But it shouldn't just stop there. The work of God should be serious business, so to speak, in all of our lives. Now, can I have fun? Yes. I've been ministry for a long, t- for a long time now, and I have gotten to do a lot of things. I used to tell my kids in youth group, I get paid to do this. We would go to... For out here, it was six flags. We'd go to California, or we'd go to a beach, or we'd go to a youth retreat, or we'd do those things, or we've gone skiing, and we've done hiking, and we've done all kinds of different things. And I would be on those trips, and I'm like, wow, I'm getting paid to do this. That's a lot of fun. But I couldn't take away from the reality that while I was there, I was spending time investing into the children or the teenagers and the the people's lives in a spiritual manner. We have to remember and we have to think and we have to be grave in that. It says that one must be one must be grave and then it goes on. It says. If we continue in that passage, not double tongued. Again, I don't think this is something that we have to spend a ton of time on. However, it's incredibly important and it's vital in leadership 
that we don't have men speaking out of both sides of their mouth. That when I have a conversation with this person over here, I say one thing. And when I go over here and have a conversation, I say something completely different. All throughout the New Testament, when God speaks of the church and Paul speaks of the church and we write and we read, all throughout the New Testament, what do we see? Unity and unity, 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 all throughout. If you're a member of Oasis Baptist Church, you filled out an Oasis membership covenant. And within that covenant, you've said, yes, I will, to the best of my ability, not gossip. And I will, I will take those things and deal with it in a, in a scriptural manner. And I will take my issues to somebody or I'll take it to the pastor. Or I will take it to somebody in leadership and we will deal with these things. As a deacon, as somebody that's in charge or in leadership, how much more important it is that a man not be double-tongued. It goes on and it says not given to much wine. Again, we've dealt with this, and uh, this could become a, I don't want to say could become, but this is one of those kind of hot-button topics in 2016. It's, well, God's word does not say, thou shalt not. It only says we can't be drunk. This particular passage deals with not staying at the drink, or not being addicted to, or, or not being long at. And as we look at this passage of scripture and we could probably have different conversations out, I'm going to, I'm going to stay for, for the sake of, of the sermon this morning, not being sitting here for a long time. I want to say this in Romans chapter 14 and verse 21, God's word says this, it is good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth or is offended or is made weak. As a believer in Christ, Whether you are a deacon or you're not a deacon, I would stand firm on this. My duty as a believer, to the best of my ability, is to not cause one to stumble. And in my position as a pastor, I have personally chosen a long time ago that that was not somewhere that I was going to go as far as alcohol. Not just because I didn't want to. Me personally, I thought it stunk, it was nasty. And I chose early on in life, that was just not something I was going to do. If it smells that bad, it ain't going in my mouth. Nonetheless, I chose also as a position that what if I was out doing this and one of you saw me? Would that cause you to stumble? If I am causing another brother or sister to stumble, that is wrong on my end. At the same time, If I can go somewhere and I can have a drink and somebody who is lost would say, well, if they can do that, then I'm okay. Then I think we need to look at our lives and and, and affect that. And so I'll kind of say that in that it does speak of not being drunk and not being uh, there too much and, and so on and so forth. But so we've got not or that we would be grave, that we would not be double double tongue, that we would not uh not given to much wine. And then it says, not greedy of filthy lucre. And there again, not spending a lot of time here. But that we wouldn't be tempted with money. That we would not be greedy to gain and more and more and more and more. That we wouldn't use the church as a place to, to continue to gain more and more. Uh, it's, it's mentioned here, especially in, in the different days and different places, deal with it differently. Our deacons don't deal specifically with the money. We have a finance team that deals with that. 
But if that is something that you're drawn to and you're greedy and you're, you're after those things and you're dealing with different leadership positions, we have to guard those areas. So some of the moral qualifications there of being grave, not, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre. Then we come to verses number 10 through 12 and we look at the spiritual qualifications. We could go back to the introduction, and, and I think in the, in the introduction we could deal with the spiritual qualifications in this. What does God's Word say throughout multiple people was that their heart was fixed on God. That their heart was fixed on Him. It didn't even say that just. It, it didn't stop there. It said that they did what? They knew and loved God's Word, some of those men of the Old Testament. And so as we look at those things, we could probably just sit there. But as we look at it, it says in verse number nine, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. The mystery of the faith. The mystery means this truth once hidden, but now revealed by God. The great doctrines of the faith are hidden to those outside the faith, but they can be understood by those who trust the Lord. As we look at this this morning, and as we kind of continue in on this passage and the qualifications of what a deacon ought to be, in different churches they have different things for a deacon. In some churches, those that are nominated are the most popular within the church. In some churches, those that give the most are put upon a pedestal. In some churches, it's the one that runs around with the chicken like the head cut off and they do the most service. And all of those things are good. It is good to give. It is good to serve. It is good to do all of those things. But God's word specifically says in verse number nine, holding the mystery of the faith. Listen, if you don't know God's word, you can't serve in a spiritual leadership position as a deacon. Just because you are popular within the church does not qualify you to serve as a deacon in the, in the church. I get that the position all throughout different churches is, is, well, he's been here for longer than anybody else. I don't care. God's word doesn't say longevity at Oasis Baptist Church. Alan, you've been here the longest, therefore you're qualified to be a deacon. No. Holding the mysteries of the truth of God's word. It is not enough to sit at a meeting and decide how to run the church. Those meetings must be based on the scripture, on the foundation of God's word. A deacon who does not know the word of God cannot manage the affairs of the church of God. A deacon who does not live the word of God, but has a defiled conscience, cannot manage the church of God. Simply put, We have to know God's word. And I stated this and I state this all the time and I will reiterate it again. It is all of our duties to study and know God's word. It is my job, not because I'm a pastor, but because I am a believer of Jesus Christ, that I would do the best that I can to ground myself, to ground my family in this book. It is all of our job. Well, I'm not a deacon. No, you're a dad. You're a mom. Guess what? You're responsible that this is the foundation of your home. Well, I don't have kids. You're responsible that this is the foundation of your life. 
of your work, of all of those things. That is our duty. What does God's word say? Just a, a book over, a chapter over, in chapter or Second Timothy two and fifteen. What study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Listen, as a deacon, they would sit in a leadership position in the church. They ought to be able to rightly divide the word of God in their own lives and in the affairs of the church. Holding firm, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. And as we look at the idea of the pure conscience, it's just as important. You know, there's a whole lot of people that know God's word. There's theologians all over the world that know God's word, but they don't know it in anything more than an educational sense. There's people that know God's word, but live completely opposite of what God's word says. And therefore, they do not live and they do not hold those mysteries in a pure conscience. It's vital that our conscience must must be pure before God. I've said this many times. There was a difference when I walked into my home as a child and I had just done something wrong. And my mom and dad or my mom or my dad would say, hey, Aaron, can you come here? If I had done something wrong, my gut starts to turn. And I'm like, oh, I'm in trouble. And I go and I talk to mom or dad and they, they begin to talk to me and I leave. And I'm like, whew, they haven't found it out yet. My conscience was not right. My, that didn't happen in my home. That was just an illustration. My conscience was not right. And so when they called my name, I was like, oh, my word, what is going to happen? I'm about to be busted. Even though they didn't even know that I'd done something. Hey, when we know God's word and we act upon God's word, we have to do so with a pure heart, with a pure conscience. And, and in this, it goes on from there to verse 10. And let these also be first proved or also first be proved then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. It is easy to choose the popular. It is easy to choose those that may have wealth. It is easy to choose and to to do some of these different things and to take upon them the title. But God's word does not say anything of that. God's word says, let them be proved. Proved in what? That they would know God's word. Proved in what? That they are grave. Proved in what? That they are sober. Proved in what? That they're not double-tongued. Proved in what? All of these things, that they are proved in those things. I kind of liken it like this. A deacon, a true deacon of any church, should be the person that you look at that does not hold the title of deacon, but does the job of a deacon. They are then qualified and proved to step in to do the job of a deacon. Does that make sense? Let me take it like this. Many of you in this room have filled out an application form somewhere. Some of you, it may have been a long time ago, the last time you filled an application. You've been retired for longer than I've been alive. But anyway, that's not nice to say, is it? I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Nonetheless, you filled out an application 
The employer took your application and they began to go through it and they called all the contacts and they made the references and they made all those phone calls. They get back on the phone with you and they say, hey, I want to bring you in. They're going to bring you in and maybe for some you've had a test. I had a job where I literally had a test. It was a math test. Now it's not good. But anyway, I had a math test to get a job. And so I passed the test. They brought me back in. They continued the interview process. I passed. I proved myself according to their interview process. Then what do they do? They get you on the phone. They say, hey, or they sit you down. We want to offer you the job. And for the next 30 to 60 to 90 to whatever, three to six months, whatever that is, we are going to put you on a what? probation period of time. What are they doing? They are proving, they are testing whether you are qualified to hold that position in a full-time manner. God's word says that a deacon must be proved. To prove is this, to test with the expectation that the test results will prove favorable. They did this at a job application They gave you the application. They gave you the test. They interviewed you. They did you all those things. And then they said, you've got 30 to 60 days, whatever. And at the end of that time, your insurance will kick in and you'll get this and you'll get that. They proved their intention was this guy meets all the qualifications. They'll be okay. But they had to prove. They had to get you through that test. God's word has many different people that have done some of those things. Look at Moses. What did Moses do? Over 40 years he spent in Egypt and education and all of these things. And he went out... And really Moses was doing what? He wanted to be a missionary to those and he wanted to go back and serve his people and love his people. And instead he he ended up killing somebody. So he spent 40 years, then he flees and he runs away and he spends 40 more years. And in that time in the wilderness, he, he learned to shepherd and he learned and then he was used of God in a mighty way. David was anointed to be the next king at 16, but it wasn't until he was 30 that he became the king. And he wasn't the king over all of Israel. He was first the king over Judah. And then at 38, he became the king over all of Israel. Some of you may have had positions in work where it took an apprenticeship. The Levites in the old days would would at 25 go into apprenticeship program. And then five years later, they would begin to serve in that position. Some of you may work in different trades where you've went through an apprenticeship program. Those jobs, sadly enough, are falling away and we're pushing kids to college. But nonetheless, you've went through those programs. You've proven yourself. A deacon is this. God desires a man who is mature in their faith, who have been tried a bit, and who are serving and acting out their faith and have been proven. My last point this morning is the family qualifications as we get into uh, verses 11 and 12. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children in their own houses well. We have to have the character qualifications or those moral, moral qualifications. We ought to have the spiritual qualifications. And if both of those are taking place, typically our homes kind of follow right in line. But God's word says that there's a family qualification. No one is perfect. No family is perfect. No deacon's family is perfect. No pastor's family is perfect. And as the joke is around every church that I've ever been at, the worst kids in the room 
are the deacon's kids and the pastor's kids. I don't think that's true. Mine are angels. (laughs) However, it's not perfection. It's that a man and a woman, a family together are striving, that the man is leading his home, and we're striving to raise godly children, to have our home in order. This passage says here in verse number 11, so must their wives be grave. Some of your Bibles may say women must likewise. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this. Uh, I've read a number of commentators throughout this last week or two. Some argue that this is speaking to the wife of a deacon. Others will say that this is speaking to women that may come in or be a deaconess, is what we would call them today, though that word wasn't even there back then. But if we looked at it in different regards, in Romans chapter 16, uh, you're looking at verse number 1 is Phoebe, uh, was kind of that person, the woman who would have been a deacon at the time is what, what some would discuss. But here's kind of what I want to say in that regard. Whether it is specific to a man and his wife, or if it's specific to a woman desiring to be in that position, I could say this. Either way, the same qualification must be there. For the wife of the one, if we want to look at it in that regard, the wife ought to be grave. The wife ought to be, as it says here, not slanderous. And that, that is a malicious slander. That is a malicious intention. That's beyond gossip. That the wife or the, the woman must be sober. They must be faithful according to the word of God. So that dealing there, you could really take that in, in, in either regard. The qualifications are still the same. And then it goes on to say that the, the husband of one wife ruling their children in their own house as well. And I'll say this. I spent more time on this with the elders and, uh, just two weeks ago. But let me just say this. It is one thing to rule your home with an iron fist and that your kids are just as scared to death of you. It is another thing to say, well, my kids do whatever they want to do. There is a happy medium where you love your children, where you discipline your children, and that the children respect you as a father, you as a mother, without having to ram your fist down their throat every time they step out of line just a little bit. And I believe that God's word is very clear on being a a father and a mother and that we should love and that we should care and that we should comfort and that we should do all of those things inside of our homes. My kids are not perfect. I don't parent perfect. But I strive to love my children. I strive to discipline my children. And I try to do that in love. I don't want my kids to come home and fear dad. I don't want my kids to not have fun at home. It is their home for as long as they will be in my home until they're 18 and day one. And then they're, no, I'm just kidding. I have three girls. I'm going to be like, no, you're not allowed to leave it ever. I've already told them they're not allowed to get married. Guys are jerks, right? That's what I tell all my girls. But anyway, well, what about you, dad? I'm not. That's what I tell them. But here's what we got. It's love, it's nurture, it's care. And as we wrap this morning up, I want to wrap it up in this manner. 
The next passage says in verse 13, For they that have used the office of a deacon well, purchase to themselves a good degree, and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. As I look at this passage, and I really look all of chapter number uh, 3, and I've kind of lumped it together in this closing here. The premise, not just of a deacon, but that of an elder. In verse number 7, it said, Moreover, he must have a good rapport of them which are without. And in verse number 13, it speaks of, of being used in a good, it's a, it's, a, it's a good thing, it's a good degree. And as we look at these things, they pull together. An elder must have a life in the manner in which when he walks out of his home, when he walks out of the church, that he has a good rapport with those on the outside. A deacon must recognize and must understand that as they are doing the work that they've been called to do, and they're doing the the deacon job, that it is something that is good. It is something that should strive them to be better. It should be something that is giving them greater boldness in the faith of Jesus Christ. It is a good thing. James 4 says this, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. As I wrap up this morning, I want to say just a couple things right quick. As these men serve humbly before God and strive to do the work that they have been called to do and chosen to do. They do it not for reward, but in humility they gain reward. I believe there is something to a man that is just willing or a woman that is just willing to humbly serve God. There's a lot of people that do a lot of things to get the pat on the back. There is something else, there's something special to be said about a man who's just willing to serve God and be humble in that. They gain that assurance. They gain a confidence as they continually grow in Him. They have sought God in their duties and they have sought God to do what God has called them to do and they begin to know Him better. They begin to know Him greater. And in doing so, God's Word says that they are given boldness in the faith, which is Christ Jesus. I'll liken it to this, and then I'm done. Stephen was the first martyr in the church. Stephen served as a deacon, and as Stephen grew in his faith, he began to be more bold in his faith, and he began to speak with greater boldness. And in doing so, he was called... To be a martyr. Philip was an evangelist. He was a deacon. And as he continued to grow, God used him to become the first missionary and go into Samaria when others would not go into Samaria. The challenge to each of us is this Who knows? Who knows what God will do with you if you will just humbly give yourself to Him? Who knows what what God will do? You might sit here, and again, I've I've said this, this whole sermon. You may not be a deacon, but there is no reason in all the world why I should not have 150 deacons at Oasis Baptist Church because you're striving to humbly serve God in whatever capacity that you can because you love Him with all your heart. You may not be able to hold the title deacon because of things that took place in your past life. 
or before coming to Christ. You may not be able to do those things, but here's what you can do. You can strive to know Him. You can strive to love Him. You can strive to serve Him with everything that you have and still serve God in whatever capacity. And who knows what God will do with that. I'll tell you this. Nine years ago, I came to Oasis Baptist Church angry, bitter, not liking life. I sat on my backside for about six months. I attended church. And then I began to serve in a Sunday school class. I did not teach in Sunday school class. I helped put together functions for adults to serve and to have fun together. And we'd go to somebody's house and I would organize different things and we would do things. And as I continued to serve, God continued to work in my life. And as God worked in my life, I began, I began to teach every so often. I began to sing a little bit more. I began to do things. And somebody asked me, hey, would you mind being a teacher in our academy? Well, it was about a year and a half ago I said I'll never teach in school again. I became a teacher. I told my wife, I'll never serve in student ministry again. My next job, my next duty, what I believe that God is doing is to use me with adults, young adults. My next job was youth pastor at Oasis Baptist Church. Why? That was the passion and desire of my heart was to be with students. But I was bitter and I was angry and I wasn't doing, I didn't do anything morally wrong. I didn't do, I was just upset. I allowed God to do things in my life to change my heart. And as I served, He changed my heart. And as I served, He took me to places that I never thought He would take me to. And as I served, I just tried to continue to be faithful and and He continued to open different doors. Listen, who knows what God will do if you're willing to humbly serve Him? Are you willing to humbly serve Him this morning? Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.